Cat and Moose podcast. I'm Cat and I'm Moose. This is a true life podcast where we explore the quirks of being human. Well, hello, Cat. Hello, Moose. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Hi, 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 guys. Hi. We're going to New York, mofos. We're going to New York. Yes, in the morning. Yeah, we are getting on a plane in the morning, and we are going to the Big Apple. That's right. The big one, not the small one. Where's the little apple? Does anyone know? Um, it's San Francisco. <laughs> Is it really? I, I don't know. I always thought San Francisco was like New York's little brother. <laughs> We're going to New York City. You know why? Because we are a silver award winning podcast for this year's Signal Awards. And we are going to the winner's cocktail party. Yes, we are. That is exactly right. And you know what? We're not worried about what we're wearing because here's the thing. No one knows us there. We don't know anyone else there. There are no expectations on cat or Moose, or producer Sarah. This is true. There are no expectations. And we all kind of had a moment this morning where we were like, (laughs) (laughs) And let me explain to people who don't travel a lot. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. exhausting. We'll be dehydrated, famished, and have sore bodies by the time we get there. Yeah, but we will have had at least four cocktails by the time we got there (laughs) yeah (laughs) sure because first class whoop 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 you you mean one each right um sure Mm -hmm. (laughs) do you guys ever get nervous in an airport if it's before noon and you get a drink no i don't no the time goes away unless you're actually need to be at a gate by a certain time but the the like it's five o'clock somewhere I don't even know who made that up, but (laughs) (laughs) if you want a beer at 9 a.m., you can have one. That's right. That's right. I think the thing that's hard for me, though, is that like um, we decided to take this trip relatively last minute. And so I still have to work a little bit on this trip. So I can't completely check out. But you can have like a mimosa. You know what? This is what you do. Like, I just need to put a sign around your neck that says, don't worry. The fun you see me having doesn't mean I'm not working. (laughs) Because this is a thing for you. And and here, here, when I used to manage a team, they always thought they could do more when they were actually traveling. You know, they would be like, don't worry. I'm going to have time on the plane. You know, all these different things. And, and. And when you get on that plane, you kind of just want to like check out, listen to music or a podcast like us, but you don't really want to be like, I'm in work mode. Let me just knock things out. And so I would always tell them like, you have good intentions, but don't worry, like enjoy your downtime. And so I'm going to say the same thing to you that it's one day we're gone. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's really, it's like the equivalent of one work day that we're gone. And I would like to... Uh, really congratulate myself actually in this area, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, m- my week last week, I had multiple bodywork sessions. Last week, I accomplished a lot in my music job, and my only full time employee was off work last week. And I had a great, productive, kick ass 
week last week and like it felt balanced. I felt happy. I got all my shit done. I tended to my family. I tended to my body. I exercised. I ate decently well. I ate vegan twice last week, not because I wanted to, but because it was just a possibility and I did it. And so I just want to say like, I'm feeling really good about having achieved a little bit of balance for one week of my 47 years. I'm proud of you too. Listeners, we need to say on the count of three, we are proud of you, Kat. One, two, three. We are proud of you, Kat. I mean, we are an affirmation podcast. It's true. We most definitely are. And so I am going into this trip to New York so excited and so excited to celebrate with you guys. Mm -hmm. Like I've had a few people kind of stop me and look me in the eye and go like, do you understand? Like, this is a really big deal. I agree. Like you guys have been doing this podcast consistently for over three years. Wow. Yes. Like that's pretty phenomenal. It is pretty phenomenal. Yep. We're coming up on three years. Feb 20, I think is our actual anniversary. You can yep. send flowers to just DM me. I'll send you my address. <laughs> okay. The other thing, the other kind of podcast we are is an etymology podcast. So I'm here to tell you. I thought you were going to say edamame. <laughs> no, but I am so excited about the edamame dumplings. And we got to get to that. Yes. Don't tell them where. Okay. We don't want to tell them our secrets yet. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. So the etymology of it's five o'clock somewhere. Uh, came actually from the comedian Red Skelton. Mm. You guys know him? Nope. I bet you know him. Let me show you who he is. This guy? Oh, yeah. He's adorable. Red Skeleton. Oh, Skelton. (laughs) (laughs) Skelton. So he was a comedian on a variety show from 1951 to 1971. But his writers apparently started the phrase... It's five o'clock somewhere. Brilliant. So that he could drink at any time of day. Mm-hmm. Well, that is wonderful. Thank you, Red, Thank you, for Red. laying Thank out you. the red carpet for us. Mm. <laughs> you know who else we could potentially be rolling the red carpet out for tomorrow on our trip to New York? Who? Who? Bell Bell. <gasps> Bell Bell? Why? Wait, she's coming with us? Your dog is coming with us? Well, she's not coming with us. And if she were coming with us, it would be okay because I got my letters today that Bell Bell is a certified emotional support animal. <laughs> Congratulations, Bell Bell. So... I have I have paperwork to take her anywhere in public. I have paperwork to take her. Um, we, we've talked about how if I get um, evicted from my home that I'm going to move into this apartment complex down in Franklin <laughs> called Dwell. Yeah, Dwell. And so I have a letter here made out to the facilities manager um, at the Dwell apartment complex that says regardless of um, their no animal policy, I won't be required to pay a pet deposit and I will not be um, restricted from having an animal with me because she is my emotional support animal. And this doctor who signed my letter says I have recommended Catherine Davis keep their golden retriever dog named Bell that weighs 81 pounds to serve as Catherine's emotional support animal as the primary treatment to address Catherine's disability. <gasps> wow. 
So is your disability diabetes or what is your disability? I need emotional support. <laughs> yes. Don't we all? So is it? Okay. But I'm still asking, are we naming the disability? <laughs> that is the disability. <laughs> is that a disability? I don't think it's a disability. But hold on for a second, because I laughed. I want to let you know, I'm excited for you. But Frankie is also an emotional support animal. Um, and... I did mine online. Did you? Oh, yeah, I did it this morning. And I've already gotten a written letter signed by a doctor saying I'm completely unstable. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I was laughing is, yeah, it's amazing how simple it is to get that approved, isn't it? Now I need an an emotional support animal. You really do, Sarah. Well, pick one. There's 22. (laughs) Who will be mine? Can I take Montana with me everywhere I go? You can. Yeah. 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 She's the tiny girl cat that doesn't listen to a damn word I say. Let me prepare you, Sarah. Would you be willing to verbally walk through the questionnaire with me right now on the podcast? Oh, sure. Can you approve me? (laughs) You probably could. I I cannot approve you because I'm not a doctor. But she could take your Visa, MasterCard, or Amex and get you a... (laughs) A letter within 24 hours. Yeah. You are an LMT. I'm sure yeah. there's something. Yeah. I mean, I my my qualifications are just through the roof. Hi. We should Hi. start we should start handing out emotional support animal letters and we'll just sign it the cat and moose podcast. <laughs> Amazing. That's great. Our logo is legit. It's got animals in it and everything. I think people mm-hmm. would believe us. Can we can 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 you guys be the emotional support animals? cat or moose for people yeah yeah if it means we have to go on trips with people no no (laughs) no no no. it's just a piece of paper yeah and and the podcast is the animal yeah i'm down for that okay yeah i'm down for that do i get the cool little like crosswalk vest totally (laughs) yes I, I'll give you anything you want. I yeah. really am going to make a PDF that you can download. <laughs> yeah. You can fill in your animal's name. We'll sign it. We'll be the doctors. And we will sign it for you. Yeah. If you want to have an emotional support animal. But make sure that these following questions, the cat is going to ask Sarah, you have checked yes to because we want it to be very legit. Yeah. Okay, Sarah. So here we go. Are you ready for your questionnaire? I am. Yeah. Do you occasionally have anxiety over occasionally (laughs) do you have paranoia moderate paranoia (laughs) do you experience moments of wanting to use recreational alcohol or drugs it's five o'clock everywhere (laughs) she's closing her eyes (laughs) do you find That sometimes you get stressed out? Always. Do you love your animal? So much. Which one? The one you're applying for. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) This is how elementary this questionnaire is. And then I get a letter from a licensed physician 
in Nashville saying that I'm emotionally unstable and giving me a letter saying that my dog can go just about anywhere. I paid $99 for this. And then I got upsold and I bought the ESA, the, uh, um, the emotional support animal package that gives my dog the, the vest. And it gives me a manual on how I can find emotional support with my animal. I mean, it's really the best, like, money laundering scheme I think I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And I feel so proud of it that I've spent the first 10 minutes of our podcast talking about it. Well, guys, we know (laughs) what the next year of Patreon is going to look like for us because as people are filling out these questionnaires uh, for the Cat Moose podcast to be their emotional support animal, animals in quotes, it's really a podcast, but we'll be there for you. We'll sign it. We're here. We're here for you this year. Take us wherever you want. I think that that's a new benefit for patrons is emotional support. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're your emotional support animals. Yeah, we we give you emotional support each week and we will also sign a paper that will get you nothing. Um, but it's a piece of paper that you can print out. It looks official. Yeah, I'll even put a seal on it. They get emotional support from us. That's not nothing. Yeah. We've had several of our listeners say that like we were a big help getting them through the pandemic and, and some Mm -hmm. listeners still to this day tell us that like they, they feel really sad if they get up on Monday morning and the new, a new episode is not available. So, I mean, like, I, I think that it's a very legitimate service that we're offering and, um, when you talk about Patreon and patrons, Sarah, you were asking um, offline before we got actually to recording the podcast, are our patrons getting their money's worth? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Fantastic. Mm-hmm. More reason for you, if you're not a patron, to go sign up and become one because you'll be <laughs> utterly disappointed. <laughs> Hey, look, if you think that getting this for free every week is a deal, pay us $5 and you'll get us for $5 every week. That's right. (laughs) How was that? That was great. Thank you. Really believable. And it really does help us genuinely, you guys. Like we have equipment that we need to upkeep. Sarah has all kinds of library sounds, not sounds mm-hmm. of a library, I but might. a library <laughs> of sounds that she pulls from. And and it's like, it's legit. It's for real that mm-hmm. like we spend money to do the podcast and we have a whole heck of a lot of fun. So thank you for your patronage. If you are one of our patrons, we are going to try to step it up in 2023 and we'd love to hear from you if there are things that are being offered to you that you're not getting that you wish you got if there are things that are not being offered to you that you wish you got we would love to hear those from you and we can revise our our terms of service yeah we totally can i mean you sounded really professional with the terms of service well she is a professional cat i'm talking to you i'm sorry i got very distracted well, shit. That wasn't very cool. I'm sorry. Can we start over? Yeah. Hi, cat. <laughs> <laughs> we just redo the first 37 minutes. <laughs> right. <laughs> no problem. Okay, so one of the things that I am excited about with us going to New York 
is I lived there for a hot minute. You guys know that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I was there as a part of, um, it was called the International Radio TV Society. And 30 people every year went to New York and got the opportunity to work in some sort of media organization. And it was a super cool opportunity. But my favorite thing about that time in my life, and I was there right before 9-11, I was there in the year 2000, um, was on Friday nights, I went with my friend Larry, who was also in the program, and we went to this place called The Duplex in New York City. And it was it was really the first time that um, that I had the opportunity to like dip my toe into more culture than what my semi-small town had exposed me to. And so he was like, let's just go get a drink. And I was like, okay, cool. And this is like way before it was cool or not cool to be out and be gay. And later my friend Larry came out many years later, but we went to this place called The Duplex and it was a cabaret bar. And it was the coolest thing I'd ever experienced. It was like super high-end feeling right when you walked in and you could just have a drink and there was just, it it would be what you would compare to a drag show, but it was a little bit Mm -hmm. more like leaning on the piano and that sort of deal, right? And so uh, we spent almost every Friday night there and then around like an hour after we had a drink, we would go upstairs and upstairs is where there was a comedy comedy store and it was where the Saturday Night Live people practiced their skits no way. before they actually did their skits the following that's Saturday, so cool. that's so fun. which was the next night. So I had the opportunity to be in the room where Molly Shannon was. And I'm talking maybe like 40 people fit in this space, but it was basically just the practice space for like that. I mean, think about 2000. It was like Will Ferrell and... Uh, Anna Gosteyer and Molly Shannon and we got to see what was happening on Saturday Night Live right before it happened and so as I was thinking about all my favorite places and times when I was living there that came up and I thought if we get a wild hair I may have to swing you guys by there for at least one drink and just experience because that was um you know, 23 years ago now. How about that math statistics? <laughs> um, and I just like, there's something about wanting to honor like that kid who was, I mean, I was so young. I was like yeah. 22 years old and had no idea what my future held. And I just had this one buddy of mine that, you know, we were like trying to fit in in New York city. And I don't know. It was a really cool year that I lived there and, I don't know. It'd be fun to swing by. I think that that's really cool. And I would love to visit the duplex with you and celebrate that 22-year-old that is still part of who you are. Like, I think that is really cool. And Larry, we know you're out there. You're probably a diehard listener. And thank you so much (laughs) for spending all that time with Moose at the duplex. And if you want to meet us there Monday night around, you know, 10 o'clock, we won't be mad. (laughs) Uh, We might stay up crazy late, like 10 o'clock in New York. I know. We're going to go wild. And part of our going wild is going to be our restaurant experience. Mm. I am so Mm. excited to introduce some of you. Moose already knows this place, but to introduce some of you 
producer Sarah to the one, the only, the famous Abudacon. Budacon. I've heard so many great things about this place. Never been. Cannot wait. Kat introduced me to it. Kat told me about it. And every time I'm in New York, if I'm there for dinner, I book it. And it is just such a magical place. Like, it feels like you're walking into like a whole different world, doesn't it? It does. It feels a little bit like if Game of Thrones went Asian. Yes. Yes, yes. absolutely. It's so yeah. vibey. In that main table that you're showing on the screen there, I'm going to speak this into existence. That main table is where we are going to take our patrons to dinner after we have won our fifth gold signal award. And Glennon Doyle is begging to get to be at one of those seats at that table. (laughs) Like that's that's totally what's going to happen, you guys. Glennon, hit us up, girl. Hit us up, girl. And P.S. Your interview with Sonia Renee Taylor, What If We Loved Our Bodies, was so amazingly good. Have you guys heard um, that we can do um, hard things, the latest podcast from Glennon Doyle? Have you guys heard this episode? Not the latest one, no. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. They talked to this woman, Sonia Renee Taylor, and she talks about the difference between um, loving our bodies and being like, I love my body and then therefore I eat healthy. I love my body and then therefore I do this thing. It's like she has this whole paradigm shift that basically says like, we are the acorn and everything needed to grow the oak tree is within the acorn Hmm. why does it take us so long to i mean i still can't understand that Hmm. yeah yeah keep telling me about the acorn well it's just really beautiful it's it's basically like the acorn that is us has everything it needs to grow into a great oak tree. And what we have done is instead of um, nourishing that is we've allowed our culture and technology and everything to basically go, you can't grow here because there's a parking lot. You can't grow here because there's a target. You can't grow here because blah, 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 blah. And it really just, she kind of talks about, and, and I don't really enjoy, I love the subject matter. I don't, like being preached at and she gets kind of yelly like she gets kind of like I feel like I'm in like a Sunday morning service and sometimes that makes me a little bit twitchy but the points that she made on uh, We Can Do Hard Things podcast. Um, again, Sonia Renee Taylor was really, really brilliant. So thank you, Glennon Doyle, and for your co-host and for having Sonia on. It was really inspirational. Hmm. Uh, yeah, let's, I need to check that out. She had a recent one on um, with Trisha Hersey, which is, she's the founder of the NAP ministry. And she has that book called Rest is Resistance. Mm. And it was also incredible. She talked about how the, um, how the hustle culture of like have to work 12 hour days and all of that is a patriarchal uh, system that we have been repressed under. And uh, especially those who, um, you know, minorities, especially this idea of like, we have to keep going. We cannot rest. We cannot rest. Um, Also an amazing episode. So. We love you, Glennon. We love you, Abby. We love you, sister. (laughs) We're back. Hey, check, check. 
Um, little technical difficulties over here. Little technical difficulties, guys. Um, what do you have to say about that, cat? It wouldn't be a weekly recording of the podcast without some sort of technical difficulties that producer Sarah helps us work out. So thank you, Sarah. We appreciate you so much. Okay, so Moose, I really want to share my gratitude for you and bringing Birgit into our lives. Um, For those of you who are faithful listeners, um, Moose introduced her friend Birgit on an interview um, a few weeks ago. And this weekend, we went through Birgit's first kind of introductory class, if you will, about the I Ching, which is the book of change. And it was absolutely phenomenal. And I just want to thank you, Moose, for bringing that into our worlds. It was a really, really cool experience. It was cool. And I'm still trying to figure it all out. Like, it's basically you can roll a dice and there's a hexagram. Yeah. And then you look up the hexagram and it and it tells you what wisdom you need to know for that specific question. Yeah. And it's this really cool thing that she described that it it doesn't really work for you to ask it questions about other people. So if I were to say, for example, um, is Sarah mad at me? Like I can't roll the dice and read my hexagram and that tell me about Sarah. It's only about me and what I can do to maybe influence um, my particular situation that I'm asking about. So for example, a question that I could ask it is, can you give me guidance and wisdom for how to continue having a balanced work life balance? Um, like I did this past week for more weeks this year. Like you could ask it a question like that. And then basically the way that it operates is not terribly different from like tarot cards. It's an Oracle. And so it's, it's basically this like collective book of wisdom and it's not, and and this is one of the things I really appreciated that she said um, is that it's not really meant to be read cover to cover. It's like you can read it cover to cover, but it's really meant to be read with you referencing the thing that your particular um, being has has kind of said, hey, this is what I need. And the way that that happens is in, in kind of modern culture, you roll a dice like in older older wow what's that older in 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 ancient cultures um the way that you came about your hexagram was a little bit different a little bit more complicated but when she said that the I Ching is not meant to be read cover to cover it got me to thinking about um one of the things I've seen people talk about since the beginning of this year is reading through the entire bible over the course of a year so it's like literally Mm. starting at genesis ending at revelation and starting in January ending in December. And while I think that is a wonderful, noteworthy, very noble is not the right word I'm looking for. It's a very commendable thing to be doing. Um, The thing that Birgit taught us about the I Ching is that it's really meant to speak to um, different moments and different seasons in your life. And it it just kind of made me think how the Bible is the same. And it's like, if we read the I Ching or if we read the Bible from front to end, it's like watching Star Wars in the order in which the movies were released. It's like starting, (laughs) it's like starting at episode four and then going into the Empire Strikes Back and then, and then, you know, 
uh, Return of the Jedi, et cetera, et cetera, whatever order it goes in. And it's just like, oh my gosh, I don't understand the story, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it really just made me want to encourage all of us in whatever texts that you are finding comfort and solace in, whether it's um, the ACA Red Book, whether it's the Bible, whether it's the I Ching, I mean, I mean, whatever your sacred text is, maybe just be willing to be a little bit fluid with it and allow it to speak to the different things that you're going through um, in life, you know, kind of one subject, one thing at a time. I just, I, I thought it was a really, really neat concept that she brought up. How did the I Ching sit with you, Moose? Yeah, I mean, I too, I, I hadn't thought of that uh, until you just shared that. Uh, the I Ching to me, I'm, I'm open to it. I think it's a wild idea that, and I say wild with a smile on my face. I think it's a wild idea that I can ask, you know, the, uh, I guess consciousness is how I would describe it. Um, what the right thing for me is, or am I handling this in the right, right way? Or, you know, it's almost like setting an intention and um, asking for wisdom after you after mm -hmm. you do that. Or even prayer, like it could be compared to prayer almost where you're you're asking for um, awareness. So I don't think it's that different from prayer, to be honest. One thing on the Bible that you just mentioned that I just had this conversation with a friend last night was around the idea uh, inside of. Uh, at least Christian culture, this idea around conviction is really upsetting to me. Hmm. Um, Cause I was like, you know, I didn't necessarily like really grow up in church, but I was like the kid that the church families invited to church <laughs> <laughs> to try to get me baptized multiple times. Yeah. To witness to you. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't mean that I wasn't a believer, whatever that means, but but th this idea of you, you will feel convicted. Um, God will convict you was something that I learned along the way inside culture. This idea of like, oh, don't worry, you'll feel, which I think is really the same as saying you're going to feel guilty. Mm -hmm. And so I went around with any emotion I had wondering if God was going to convict me because I was doing something wrong. And I think that's such a poor way to introduce children and teenagers to who God is. Like the God that I want to introduce kids to is one that is loving and all encompassing and inside of us all the time and around us all the time and, and open to how open to, to the point of the teaching or the Bible open to helping us know the way. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. and, and one thing that I think, um, I mean, there are many, many things that the Bible says that I, th I think are really poignant. And one of the things that the Bible says, and I'm going to paraphrase this is basically like God is too big for our understanding. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, it's like, we just can't figure God out. And if we could, it would absolutely kill us. Like it would overwhelm us because, it's just, it's just so big. And it makes me think that, that we as humans, like in order to try to make God make sense, 
like humans have gotten creative and they've made up rituals. They've, they've made up parables. They've used stories from real life examples. Like, like, like throughout history, humans have said, wait a minute, I think I've got God figured out. Wait a minute, I've got God figured out. And whether that's mm. the Ayurvedic tradition or whether that's, you know, Islam or Judeo Christianity or Judeo Christian, whatever it is, it's like humans are just trying to figure out God. And one of the things that Birgit said that I thought was really curious, um, and I wanted to see Sarah, what you thought about this and Moose, what you thought about this is she asked, is it possible to think that God is a benevolent field of consciousness? Mm. I mean, I love that. Mm -hmm. I love it because Yes. And that's why I cannot wrap my brain around hell. Hmm. Hmm. I simply can't. Like the warmness and the love that, that I feel. And Sarah, I jumped on when she asked you, but it's just so no. big. What about you? Um, this subject is so complex for me that. Um, hmm. I'm trying to like I I feel like when I spend time with it I I can't it if that makes sense. It's like yeah. I just I'm not at a place where I can spend the time to go like what what do I believe mm -hmm. right now? Like who do I believe and where you know like I feel like yeah. I spent so many years in a Christian space and a Christian mindset and a Christian headspace and not that that's bad or wrong but I don't know anything else as far as religion is concerned. You know, I didn't mm -hmm. study others. I didn't um, go outside of just the kind of Judeo-Christian realm. Right. And so when we talk about that, it's not that I'm not, I'm, I'm adverse to it. I'm not at all. I, I don't know what I don't know. I think that's where mm -hmm. I, where I land. And to hear what you said, um, it was the benevolent, say it again. She asked, is it possible that God is a benevolent field of consciousness? Yes. Like that feels so much more tangible to me than mm. what once felt so tangible to me, which was the, the Judeo-Christian beliefs of mm -hmm. Jesus and the Holy Spirit and God. And, you know, like that, all, it just feels all very different now. And I don't, I mean, I don't know where that puts me, but it f puts me in a, a space that I probably a lot of people are in, <laughs> you know, I'm definitely not alone there, but just like, hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know where I stand with that now. Yeah. That's really cool. Thank you for, thank you for being honest. And, and at least from my perspective, it seems like really vulnerable with that answer. Like, thank you so much. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things um, that really stood out to me, and I believe this as someone who in the past three years has really made time and, and energy to study um, the body and how our body communicates with us is that she said the way to get to your ultimate truth is that you must be in a feeling state. It can't just be in a state of what you're thinking. And mm -hmm. to me, like, and it, like 
to think that in our brains that we have the capacity to understand God, who whomever he, she, they, consciousness, whatever God is to to each one of us individually, um, the the way to get there and the way to understand it is you have to have like a felt sense. And mm. to me, again, I think that's another example of human beings really creative and going, maybe there's this thing called the Holy Spirit. And maybe that's my intuition. And maybe mm. that's God's conviction, as Moose was bringing up a moment ago. It's like, they're all kind of the same. And it's mm-hmm. like, I, I think where we get in trouble is when like, we start to say like, no, my creative interpretation of God is the way is the right way and everybody else is wrong. And to even to say like hell is not real. Hell is having a family member die of cancer. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hell is, Mm -hmm. is going bankrupt and having to, to lose your house. Like, like hell is very real in each and every one of our lives in, in different ways, you know? And so I just think it's really, it's really fascinating. The more, we study collectively and individually, you know, all of this stuff. I just think it's really interesting how it seems to just be boiling down to who and whatever God is, is love. Mm. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. Well put. And I think anyway, anytime that we can leave room for interpretation that is individual, mm. I can't imagine a God that well, clearly God didn't make us all the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. He, she, they, whatever it is, made us all very different. So of course we're going to have different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Okay. This makes me think of something that came across my, uh, I think it was TikTok earlier this week. And um, you know how we kind of, I think it's pretty fairly casually thrown around that, you know, oh, I'm the black sheep of the family or right. Like these are things mm-hmm. that we hear a lot. And I, okay, well, I looked it up. What uh, what a black sheep is, um, most people know what it is, but according to Google, it is a disfavored or disreputable member of a group, usually a family member, right? Yeah. And in, 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 in my childhood, it was, you know, when somebody did something bad, like naughty. they were the disgrace. Naughty. Yeah, it was always yeah. naughty. You were the the uh, the one the one that just left the fold, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And P.S. Jesus left the ninety nine for the one. I just want to point that Correct. out. Correct. Correct. You're the impure one. Okay, I'm done. Sorry. <laughs> So this came across my screen and I watched it probably three times and and would just, I feel like I need to hear it again, even just to like reform my thoughts. But I'm curious what you guys think and our listeners as well. And give me a second to find it. Okay, here we go. This is my favorite thing ever written about black sheep and families. And it's from Bert Hellinger. Quote, the so-called black sheep in the family are in fact seekers of liberation roads for the family tree. Those members of the tree who do not adapt to the rules or traditions of the family system, those who are constantly seeking to revolutionize beliefs, going in contrast to the roads marked by family traditions, those criticized, tried, and even rejected, they are called to release the tree of repetitive stories that frustrate entire generations. The black sheep, those who do not adapt, those who scream, rebel, repair, and detoxify, create a new and blooming branch. 
countless unfulfilled desires, unfulfilled dreams, and frustrated talents of our ancestors manifest themselves in the black sheep's rebellion looking to take place. The family tree, by inertia, will want to continue to maintain the castrating and toxic course of its trunk, which makes the black sheep's task difficult and conflicting. Let no one make you doubt. Take care of your rarity as the most precious flower of your tree. You are the dream of all of your ancestors. Oh my gosh. Wow. Thank you, Bert. Thank you, Bert. I got chills. Thank you, Bert. Dang, that's powerful. So what does that mean to you, Kat? Yeah. Um, that means to me, it, it feels very similar to me how we've been talking about neuroplasticity of the brain and how like there are grooves in our brain that basically say like life goes this way. You act mm-hmm. this way. This trauma has created this ditch in your brain and this is mm. your trigger that takes you into that ditch every time. Um, it just reminds me of that. And I feel like what he's saying is basically like our family tree is like those neural pathways built in our brain that it's like there's a way that things flow really naturally and but when I say naturally I mean because of our experiences and our traumas and our joys and and all of Mm -hmm. the things and I think what he's saying is that like everybody around us meaning like our family, like our community, we have developed a way of doing things. We've developed a culture. Like we are really angry all the time, or we're really passive aggressive all the time, or we try to puppeteer things, or we try to manipulate, or we try to just be really, really quiet. Nobody will notice us, like whatever it is. And I think what he's saying is like, kind of like, this is the way of our families. And any of us that branch out from that, it's going to meet resistance because it's not in the flow that's been created potentially generation after generation after generation. And I think what he's saying is that our ancestors are going, thank God you broke the flow Mm. because we realized at some point, likely in our middle age to older age, that some of this isn't necessary. You know, that's, that's what Mm. it means to me. Mm. Exactly. I love that. Mm, It's really cool. Sarah. Yes. What does it mean to you? Um, okay. It struck me because maybe you spent the first 25, 30 years of your life being this, and then something happened and your religion changed or your mindset changed or something. And now all of a sudden you're not of the same headspace that you've, you know, like think of that and then now go home for the holidays. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) that to me is the black sheep. Those are the people like, how do you... And I don't know, it just seemed like I want to spend more time with the like, okay, how do we encourage those people, which this was the first time I really felt like that's an encouragement for the black sheep. Usually the black sheep are just the black sheep and like, oh, the ones that are, you know, we're always trying to get back in the fold, if you will. And it's like, maybe they're meant to be outside of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I think like one thing that, that i kind of want to give a shout out to my mom here right now is that like, I feel like in many ways, like my mom has encouraged that branching out. Like, like when we talk about like, you know, kind of our ancestors celebrating the black sheep. Like I, I feel like, you know, my mom said to me the other day, she goes, I wish I could go to all your classes with you and learn all the stuff that you're learning because like, I'm aware that your perspective 
is has grown because of this new knowledge. You know, it's like mm, she was mm-hmm. celebrating the things that were outside of maybe what has been been the norm. And it's like yeah. I I think he's right when Mr. Burt says that our ancestors are cheering us on or whatever he says, because mm-hmm. I really think that everybody wants to break out of the norm. Right. Yeah. Right. I don't think everyone does. I think there are specific people planted in families to destroy them. <laughs> and maybe so. And by destroy, I like his word rebellion mm-hmm. <laughs> because I was one of those people. Like I had people around me going, Oh, don't do that. Don't do that. It's going to be too scary. It's going to be too risky. And it's like, to me, what I heard is break the cycle. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. right. And it doesn't mean that all family traditions are toxic at all, but there are things that we have come to believe that are the right way to do it. And anyone who steps outside of it, you know, everyone gets nervous about, but I think that's the way growth takes place yeah. and families too. Yeah. I think there's, I think there's a high proportion of gay kids that belong to very Christian parents. Mm. Yeah, probably so. And I think that's intentional by the beautiful universe of this world to make you expand your mind, you know? And like, like, I think there are, we are in these spaces. We are our own black sheeps guys. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Producer Sarah Reed. To find out more, go to catandmoosepodcast.com. Cat and Moose is a BP production.